Okay, just to get you into the holiday spirit, we're going to study the Antichrist today. <laughs> Actually, though, in, in, in the succession of things, at least the way I looked at it, it seemed like the logical next stop. And then with the <clears throat> next week, a, a great topic, really, the second coming, which is really what the first coming is kind of all about, too. You know, they, they definitely go together. Okay. <clears throat> and then Christmas Day, do the third, man, it's that close. Then Christmas Day, we'll probably have do something that's actually about Christmas, okay? So I've got to find out what Will's going to preach on, and I'll do something different here. Okay. The Antichrist. The word Antichrist is a transliteration of the Greek word, Antichristos, right? We all know what a transliteration is, right? Well, I have to ask, what's the difference between the transliteration and just a transfer of meaning? Is that the same thing? I don't think so. Okay. I don't, a transfer of meaning almost sounds like a change. This is, a transliteration is just taking the Greek word antichristos and not really defining it, just kind of making it sound English. And so we say antichrist. And so the word anti from the Greek means against or in place of. And when we look at this fellow that's out there somewhere coming, uh, he definitely fits the bill either way. And then Christos, which translated means the anointed or the chosen one see and it's the that's why we and that's that's why we say christ and you'll see christ translated in the english bibles and so christ is a transliteration of christos which is the greek and then it <clears throat> but like i say christ means the anointed and so does the hebrew messiah which is from the Hebrew Mashiach. See, another transliteration. <laughs> and that also means the anointed. So we're talking about the same person. Now, the word Antichrist itself is only found in 1 John and 2 John. Those verses there, we're going to look at those later, so I'm not going to turn to those now. Um, <clears throat> the other, other names for the Antichrist, we already saw, we've already seen the little horn, remember, in Daniel 7. He's called the evil prince in Daniel 9. The prince, the, the evil is added by me. <laughs> the definition of him, he's evil and he's a prince. Other than, you know, you've got a lot of people called prince. Like Christ himself is the prince of peace. All right. This is the evil prince of Daniel 9. And then in Daniel 11, he's called the willful king. And uh, <clears throat> he gets a he gets a double whammy in 2 Thessalonians 2.3. He's called the man of lawlessness. He's also called the son of destruction or the son of perdition, as some Bibles translate it. And then we have him called the beast. And that's where we're going to start this morning in Revelation 13. And we're going to look at the Antichrist moving from Revelation 13 and then out into Scripture a little bit. Like I say, I <clears throat> My goal is to deal with this guy today, and I don't, and not have to. 
just move on to higher things, okay? <laughs> but uh, it, you, yeah, if you're talking about the end times, and the, you got to you got to talk. He's a main character. I mean, he's one of the main characters that's going to be in that period of time. Okay, Revelation 13, 1 through, <clears throat> 1 through uh, 10. I'm going to read it to set the context. And he stood on the sand of the seashore, or the sea, and I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads. And on his horns were ten diadems, and on his heads were blasphemous names. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, his feet like, a, like the, those of a bear, his mouth like the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his throne and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain, and his, and, and his fatal wound was healed. And the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast and worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast and who is able to wage war with him? And there was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies, and authority to act for 42 months was given to him. And he opened his mouth in blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, that is, those who dwell in the earth. And it was given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to him. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him, Everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who, was, who has been slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is destined for captivity, to captivity he goes. If anyone kills with the sword, with the sword he must be killed. Here is the perseverance and the faith of the saints. That's an extremely interesting ending to this section. That's really the one I'd love to spend the most time on. I'm hoping we can get there in time to do that. It's a, studying that, it's, it's actually got a tremendous message for us. Okay. <clears throat> and especially those that are going to be living, the believers that are going to be living in this period of time. But it has much application to the church, the entire church age, quite frankly. Now, he stood on the sand, most likely refers to the dragon, which we know of as Satan. You see, back in chapter 12, verse 9, and the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who was called the devil and Satan. Okay? So, identified for us. Don't have to worry about that. Verse 17, kind of, there's the context that will lead us into uh, 13. 12, 17 says, and the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her offspring who, who keep the commandments of God. Check that. He's going after her offspring. The her is Jews, is Israeli people, Hebrews. <clears throat> Went off to make war with the rest of her offspring who kept the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. That's a tremendous statement. Because remember, who is the who are the main carriers of the gospel? Jews. They finally got it. I mean, you know, who has believed our report comes to life. <laughs> okay, they'll be preaching that, I'm, I guarantee. Who has believed our report, and they're going to give the report. Okay, and um, <clears throat> it's going to be a great time to witness and uh, a great time to be not there. Okay, now the sea, 
Okay, the sea refers to the mass of humanity, primarily, I believe, of the Gentile nations. A lot of people say, like, the great sea. Some say, well, that could be the Mediterranean. Well, it would be symbolic of the same thing. Those are the Gentile nations, you know. But I think mainly it's a mass of humanity. He stood on the seashore of humanity and then likened it to a great sea of people. And up, out of that he comes. And like I say, it's, again, one of those interpretations that we don't need to start a new denomination over, okay? Now, where we get down then in, to the ten horns and seven heads. Now, what that does, number one, it shows the beast's close association with the dragon. Okay, let's look at Revelation 12.3. 12.3 says this, <clears throat> and, another, and another sign appeared in heaven, and behold a, great, behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads were seven diadems. Now, the seven diadems, and we've read about the diadems before, the diadems is the crown that a king would wear, a ruler would wear, okay? And so <clears throat> they have, so there's kings there. We've got ten. We're going to look, we're going to compare now what that with, what does that mean? When we look at, I think by the time we compare Daniel with, uh, yeah, just look at back at Daniel, Daniel chapter 2. So this is why I'd say Daniel is such a key to understanding prophecy. I mean, <clears throat> Daniel really, the prophecies that were given to Daniel make sense of all this. I mean, it's just kind of like, you can, you can say it's kind of like the framework that, you, that you, you, know, you hang the plywood on. It's the frame of the house, you know, and without that frame, nothing's, everything's, it's just, you know, your eschatology is going to fall apart. <laughs> you have to have that frame firmly in place. <clears throat> yeah, da- yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of, I, I kind of feel sorry looking back a little bit for Daniel, <clears throat> where at the very end of the Bible, Daniel's kind of says, "That's and God said, well, go your way, Daniel. Just you know, like don't worry about it. <laughs> It'll become evident." when this stuff starts, when you get closer to the end. And see, in our position, we are much closer to the end than Daniel was, and we've got further revelation. Daniel, he had what God gave him. He had Jeremiah. He had Isaiah, which is great. But then, you know, you've got after Daniel comes somebody like Zechariah, who has a lot to say, and then there's the New Testament. Jesus, Messiah himself, shows up and gives us uh, more information, and then of course we have the Book of Revelation, and we're, as we're going to see today too, Second Thessalonians in terms of this fellow, the Antichrist. Okay, Daniel two forty to forty three. <clears throat> Here's that fourth beast again. Then there will be a fourth kingdom, as strong as iron. Remember, this is that statue, as strong as iron, inasmuch as the iron crushes and shatters all things, so like iron and breaks in pieces, it will crush and break all these in pieces. And in that you saw the feet and toes, okay, feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron. See, now we've moved from the Roman Empire as we know it in history to the, what a lot of people call, for the lack of the name, a revitalized form of that empire, okay? Probably will not be called Rome, don't don't know what, but anyway, maybe it is, maybe it will be. (laughs) 
That's what Mussolini wanted to do anyway. But anyhow, I digress. And it will be divided kingdom, but it will have in it the toughness of iron, inasmuch as you saw the iron mixed with common clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron, partly pottery, so some of the kingdom will be strong, and part of it will be brittle. And in that you saw the iron mixed with common clay, they will combine with one another in the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, even as iron does not combine with pottery. Okay? It just doesn't. We're not talking concrete, we're talking pottery. (laughs) Okay? We're talking pottery. So let's move forward now, keep that in mind, and then move forward to Daniel 7. Daniel 7, verses 7 and 8. And I kept looking in the night vision, behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrifying, extremely strong, and it had large iron teeth. And it devoured and crushed and trampled down the remainder with its feet, and it was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. Ten horns. Horns, leaders. Ten horns horns, ten nations. Keep that thought as we move forward. Just kind of hang on to that for a minute. While I was contemplating the horns, behold, another horn, a little one came up among them, and three of the first horns were pulled out by the roots before it. And behold, this horn possessed eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth uttering great boats. That's that little horn with a big mouth. We've seen him before. All right? <clears throat> that is the Antichrist. He's the little, that little horn. Now, <clears throat> we move forward again. Keep that in mind. Remember, we went from 10. The Antichrist gets in the mix. He uproots three. So now we're, we've never got seven left. See, he moves three out of the way. And let's move on to <laughs> lightning flash. <laughs> and now, <clears throat> verses 19 through 26 in Daniel 7. And I desired to know, and so here again, see here's Daniel just still wondering, and I desired to know the exact meaning of the fourth beast, which was different from all the others, exceedingly dreadful, with its teeth of iron and claw, and, he, and here we added a little bit of information, and claws of bronze. Okay, and which devoured, crushed, trampled down the remainder with its feet. And the meaning of the ten horns were on its head, and the other horn which came up before it, which, which three of them fell, namely that the, the horn which had eyes and a mouth uttering great boasts, and which was larger in appearance than its associates. So this little horn that came up was actually bigger than the other guys. <laughs> okay, and that's important because he's going to dominate the other guys. That's the whole point. He's going to dominate the other guys. Now, and verse 21, um, well, let me see, 20, namely its horn, which is eyes and mouth, uttering great boasts again. There he is, boasting, which was larger in appearance than the others. In verse 21, I kept looking, and that horn was waging war with the saints and overpowering them. We, again, that's a common thing for him. Until, that's going to only last so long, until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was passed in favor of the saints of the highest one. And the time arrived when the saints took possession of the kingdom. Got to love that. We were just talking about that earlier before, before class. How 
you know, hey, our side wins, okay? And Jesus is going to win it for us. He's going to do it all. He's going to win it for us. We just, that's why I think that's part of the message in, in Revelation. I think that's the one of these, says you read right in the, up front in the book of Revelation, you read this, understand it, you're going to get a blessing. I think that's, that's one of it right there. Not only does our side win, but our God wins. Okay, verse uh, 23. The fourth beast will be the fourth kingdom in the earth, which will be different from all other kingdoms, and it will devour the whole earth and tread it down and crush it. As for the ten horns, out of this kingdom ten kings will arrive, and another will arise after them, and he will be different from the previous ones and will subdue three, and he will speak, but he will speak out against the most high and wear down the saints of the highest one and he will and he will intend to make alterations in times and in law and they will be given into his hand for a time times and a half a time but and i love this the court will sit for judgment and his dominion will be taken away annihilated and destroyed forever okay and again, and then we let's make another quick comparison back to Daniel seven, three through seven, <clears throat> where the four great beasts were coming up out of the sea, different from one another. The first one, like a lion, had wings of an eagle. I kept looking; the wings were plucked out upon the ground, and it made stand like two feet of a man. Human mind was given to it. That's Babylon. And behold, another beast, the second one, and I'm just going to pop through here quick, resembling a bear. And then verse 6, after this I kept looking, behold, another one, like a leopard. And then we get to that famous fourth beast, which grabs Daniel's attention. That's why by grabbing Daniel's attention, I believe the Holy Spirit is trying to grab our attention. It's that fourth one, readers, (laughs) that has that has real special meaning for us. The other three, it's important to know what they are and who they were. But it's that fourth one that has the prophetic implications. Did I, somebody want something? Well, I have a question. Okay. <laughs> okay, verse four is Babylon, then we have Medo Persian, six is Greece, seven, Rome. Mm-hmm. It rolls from the Roman Empire that we know in history. It just rolls from that right into the future. Oh. I mean, again, it's that prophecy does this a lot. It kind of like it'll be speaking on one thing, and kind of like the old-fashioned telescope. It just kind of moves out yeah. into the future from what they're actually looking at. I mean, Rome is future to Daniel. <laughs> I mean, but yeah. you know, he's talking about that Roman Empire, and then because it it keeps when you get to that fourth beast in all passages that talks about that fourth beast it does the same thing it talks about it and then it has it talks about it again like it's a little in a little different from a little bit different perspective and then it's from the end of that where it rolls from the empire that we know from history into this futuristic um revitalization of the roman empire for lack of a better term that actually the antichrist is going to be in charge of See, and so you just have to kind of you see that it it really takes 
the combination of Daniel 2, Daniel 7, and even 11, and you get to the book of Revelation, you, you, you can see that. And then you bring in other passages. But you, you, if, we, if you can get that, you're well ahead of a whole lot of folks that are like, you know, when you read Revelation, like, ugh, close the book and let's go have a salami or something. I mean, you know, it's just, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling. If without without Daniel, it's, it's it truly is. It's truly mind-boggling. But remember those four beasts. You can even have your mind wrapped around it a little bit, but to try to explain it, you know, share it with somebody else, that I wouldn't be able to do. It, well, and you know, don't feel too bad. Most people wouldn't either. I mean, I've studied a lot, and there's times, you know, you're especially if you're tracking right off the top. There's so much information. You go, oh, wish I could remember that, wish I could remember all, all these. There's so much to it, like, you know. And, again, <clears throat> prophecy is an important subject. I think, what, 30 40% of the Bible is prophecy? So if it wasn't important, God wouldn't have given us all of this. So it is important. And uh, <clears throat> But there are things a little higher on the list, like the gospel itself. Every one of us should be able to sit down off the top of our heads and give somebody the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we can't, that's inexcusable as a Christian. That is our job. So think about that is where we need to start. If we can't do that, let's get back into the, <laughs> the gospels and the epistles and get that thing nailed down because that's, that's, that's where the rubber meets the road for Christianity right there. It's the gospel, you know. And you know what? <laughs> Keeping a track on hand is a little bit of a cheat sheet. That's okay, too. Because <laughs> yeah. if you're talking to someone, you can just, well, you can just use it to point to. Now, if you look this, you know, so anyway. But it's better just so if you're, if all of a sudden, boom, you're presented with an opportunity, you'll be able just to give it. Anyway, back to Revelation 13. In verse 2, The first part of verse 2 says, And the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were, <clears throat> and his feet were like that of a bear, and his mouth like that mouth of a lion. Okay, see that they took all the characteristics, and the beast is the second, again, he is the revitalized version of the fourth empire. So there we are. Now, we see in also in verse two, verse 2 there that the Antichrist will be empowered by Satan himself. It says, and the dragon gave him his power. Okay, not only that, his throne and great authority. Well, how can he do that? Well, Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Let's look there. That's, can I ask a question before you go there? Okay. Um, in uh, verse 2, and the dragon gave him his power. Okay. Okay, the dragon, Satan, okay. gave him, the beast, his power. So that would be Antichrist? Absolutely. Okay. He is the beast. He is, he is the he <laughs> in, in that passage. Okay. 
Yeah. <clears throat> and Second Thessalonians two nine and ten says this. Speaking of the Antichrist, this is the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan. Okay. And Paul uses this with all power and signs and false wonders. Okay. And with all the deception of the wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. He will deceive, he will deceive or continue to deceive those who are deceived. Okay? And it's just going to get worse and worse and worse for them. You ever, you ever wonder why some just don't get it? Well, they're never going to get it. Apart from the grace of God, not going to get it. And even, even some, apart from the grace of God, there's people that get it and eh, throw it off. So anyway, but then again, look at Satan. I'm not going to turn to these verses, but Satan is known as, and back in our notes here, the ruler of this world, John 16. That's, our Lord, that's what our Lord said about him. The God of this world, 2 Corinthians, and then the prince and power of the air, Ephesians 2, 2. Now, <clears throat> here's an inter- in, in, in Revelation 13, 3, where it says, uh, one of his heads, as if it had been slain and his fatal wound was healed. This is a tricky passage. Through the power of Satan, the beast, I'm putting stages of death and resurrection of himself, fooling the unbelieving world. Now, some say, well, is that maybe he's kind of a failed leader that makes a big comeback? I don't know. Some say that, but the language here would, I would think because of the many lying wonders and things that go on, I'm thinking it's bigger than that. I kind of equate this more like, and I, I know I go back there a lot, but to the Egyptian priests, during Moses, remember? They were they were allowed to pull off a few things for a while. Okay? So I'm thinking it's more like that. Because remember, this is a unique period of time. This is like none other. All kinds of stuff is going to go on there, quite frankly, that the world has never seen before. And so I think it's more like that. You know, some think it might actually be the guy was literally dead. And God allowed him to be raised again. But I don't give Satan that kind of power. So I, I don't believe resurrection power is, I think, exclusive to God. Because that's creation power. <laughs> so I kind of, nah, I don't buy that one. But uh, I, I can buy this. And this guy's going to make it look real. Trust me. And you've got a willingly duped audience already that wants to believe. Remember, they're, remember they're, he's going to, remember, remember we went back? We saw him uh, last time when we saw the, the four horsemen. The first horseman came in with a bow and no arrows. That's the Antichrist coming onto the scene. I believe in the first half, making deals, whining and dining. And, and the next thing you know, he's uprooting three kings, and now he's going to take power. And then for times, time and a half a time, three and a half years, the latter half of that tribulation period, he's just going to start running roughshod. He's going to have that power, and then he's just going to use it. Okay, now, verse 4, and here's what's going to cause. See, that's right, verse 4 of Revelation 13, 
And they, and they, those are the uh, whole earth, those are the ones that were so amazed, and they worshipped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast. He worshipped the dragon, and they worshipped the beast, saying, who is like the beast and who is able to wage war with him? I'm not going to read that. We, we don't have the time, but Revelation 13, 11 through 18, he has help also, the other beast out of the sea which we lovingly call the false prophet because it fits him Um, he will be there at his side and between the antichrist the false prophet and satan you have what i and others like to call the unholy trinity (laughs) okay you mean hey you know if you're going to falsify god go all the way you know so they do i mean they do and they're going to go all the way for it too (laughs) if you know what I mean. Now, the character of the beast, we can see that now in verses 5 and 6 of Revelation 13. We've already seen it. Um, And it was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies and authority to act 42 months. 42 months, two and a half years, 1260 days, all the same. You read them in various uh, passages of different books of the Bible. It's, It's referring to that same period of time, the latter half, of the tribulation period, which is identified as the great tribulation, that latter half. It really gets bad. Okay. Now, a mouth speaking arrogant words. We've seen that already, right? The little horn speaking great boasts in Daniel 7. The little horn. He rege- and again, he rejects all gods and worships absolute, and he worships absolute power. He's in Daniel 11, 36, 38, he's called the God of Fortress. People like that exist today, folks. They're your totalitarians out there. They worship the god of, oh, well, <clears throat> all your communist leaders, the god of fortress, the god of dictator. They're what uh, uh, we have them in our country. They're called statists, statists, state, like the, the government is the state. The state rules. And why, does it, why, do, they, why do they want statism? They're being, why are they statists? <laughs> because they're, they're the the king of the state. <laughs> so sure, they, it's, if their state rules, they rule. And it's the same thing. You can see that in, in communism. We can see it in Nazism, fascism. They all, that's where they're all going. You know, that's where they're all going for absolute power and control. That's where, that's what all status attempt to achieve, no matter what country they're in. Now, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, 1 through 14 is, again, a great passage that talks about this period of time and focuses in on the Antichrist himself. We can pop in there real quick. You're going to see a lot of parallels again about this guy. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning verse 1. Now we request, we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, Nor that gathering together to him. This is a follow-up, obviously, to 1 Thessalonians. In 1 Thessalonians, he talked about the rapture. So it's a follow-up conversation about the rapture, even. So our Lord Christ and our gathering together to him, when we go up and meet him in the air, that you may not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Even back then, Right early on, 
false doctrines and teachings were being spread around. He says, even like as a letter from us, there are false epistles being floated around. I mean, it's just, hey, you know, Solomon pegged it. There's nothing new under the sun, <laughs> right? I mean, it just keeps going around. As long as, as long as you have sinful human beings, you're going to have false teachers, let's face it, and false beliefs. Okay, verse 3, let no one in any way deceive you, for if it will not come unless the apostasy comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. Okay, son of destruction, that's used in one other place to one other person, and that's in John seventeen twelve, where Judas Iscariot is called the son of perdition or destruction, depending on your translation. Judas, Judas, not a good company to be with. Judas and the Antichrist, the only two people that are given that tag. Ugh. Man. And what about him? Who opposes, verse 4, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship, even, you know, what doesn't, idols, everything. He's above everything. He, he does not want anything else out there to be worshipped other than himself. Not even a statue. You know, it's, it's him and him alone. But that's how total maniacal dictators go. That's how, that's how they go. You know, <clears throat> and so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. You can't get any more brazen than that. I mean, he, he's gone all the way. And I, I love this. And this is, this is good for us too. He says, do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things? And you know what restrains him now, so that in, in his time he may be revealed. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Oh, it is. It, it definitely is. We'll see that. That's what John calls in First John. We're going to look there. <clears throat> you know, there is an Antichrist, but Antichrists are at work today. They are today, too. <laughs> Believe me. There's probably more of them today. For the mystery of the lawless is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Anybody want to guess who the restrainer is? Got it. Got it. The Holy Spirit working, I believe, through the church. Working through the church. There's a lot of little things that point to And there, it even gets stronger than that. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> and then, verse 8, that lawlessness one will be revealed, whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. So his second coming will undo this guy. We saw that right from Daniel 2. The stone not cut with hands hits that whole statue, which represents the times of the Gentiles. Right? He hits it where? On the feet. Because the feet is the last form of the times of the Gentiles' godless kingdom. So by taking down the feet, the whole statue, the whole shooting match just crumbles. Crumbles. Okay, he takes out the whole thing. Now, <clears throat> verse 9, And the one who is coming according with the activity of Satan power, we saw that already. Verse 10, He's coming with all deceptions of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. He's made a comparison. Keep, keep an eye on some of these words. <laughs> uh, 
here's a case where watch the pronouns, but in a, in a right way. Now, verse 11. And for this reason, God will send upon them, okay, a deluding influence so that they might believe what is false in order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. So there's... It come, there comes a time the way God expresses himself, you know, um, <clears throat> where kind of like that point of no return, things get worse. But, verse 13, but we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you, Thessalonians, you, church, from the beginning for salvation, through sanctification, by the Spirit, and faith in the truth. See that? There's, there's the dividing line right there. The dividing line is the gospel. And it's even more specific. <clears throat> he called you, verse 14, He called you through the gospel that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know? He called you. Yeah, I, that kind of let the air on my balloon when I first learned this stuff. Gee, I thought it was because I was such a great guy and which a good choice. Let's take him. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> it's all the grace of God. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I I still kind of think he made a good No, but, but seriously, it's, it's all him. It's all his grace. It's all his grace and nothing else. We have nothing. Hey, you know. Lest any man should boast, right? Amen. Ephesians 2, lest any man should boast. we got no call to be boasting on anything. It's all 100% him, capital H. Now, <clears throat> and we stop there. But I, with Second Corinthians, or Thessalonians, that's okay. I'll make it. Now, we saw he, ex- that's real handy, he exalts himself. <laughs> He exalts himself above every god. We saw that. And it's going to keep going. uh, Time that, you know, and again, this time is not for the church. And how do we view the Antichrist in our day? John, here's where I want to take a quick look at John. John chapter 2. First first John, excuse me. First John, big difference. First John chapter 2, verse 18. Here's the best way to view the Antichrist. Number, the one thing we don't want to do is look through humanity out there and try to pick a name out of the newspaper. That ain't going to, no, no. No, that's, that's almost as bad as trying to pick dates for the second coming, you know, or the rapture. Nah, don't, don't, don't get involved in that game. Don't, don't get, that's a losing game. 100% of everybody that's done has been wrong. <laughs> okay. All right. So, but... Uh, <clears throat> 1 John 2.18 says, Children, it is the last hour. Boy, he gets real small with that. And just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have arisen from this. From this we know that, there, that this is the last hour. Remember, we saw this early on in our study of uh, eschatology. That's prophecy. Uh, that Hebrews 1 says, you know, the prophets of old gave us it, but now in these last days, the word comes through Christ. And then now by extension, his apostles through the New Testament. So, yeah, these are, we've, 
the church has been in, in these last days ever since Messiah. <laughs> Matter of fact, the birth of Jesus Christ, you can say this, a, a secondary thing to think about is him coming into this world is actually ushering in the last days. This is the messianic era, which is the era where Jesus actually comes back. Okay? So all this is preliminary events leading up to his coming back, his assuming the throne, and like I said, it's magnificent. So he says, and even now many anarchists have arisen. And verse 19 says, speaking in terms of the church at large, they, that's these antichrists. This is interesting. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out in order that they might be shown that they are not of us. And again, I love it. Scripture keeps making that comparison. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all and you all know. And then again, he says, I have not written you because you don't know truth, but I'm writing you because you do know the truth. So we just say, watch out. We won't need, you don't need to look at the rest of them. But it's, it's a tremendous truth. And that's, that's how I look at the doctrine, if you will, or the discussion of the Antichrist. Yep, there's one coming out there that I'm not even going to deal with. So I don't care what his name is. Antichrist, beast, that suits me enough, you know. But no, there are antichrists running all over the place. Second um, Peter chapter 2 talks about them. Jude talks about them. Uh, Paul talks about them. I mean, the, the, Jesus talk, spoke of them. I mean, they're all coming. We all know it. Then they're here. It's like Jude says. I love to write about our common salvation. But hey, there's certain people that have crept in unawares into the church. You need to know that. You need to know that. I mean, they could, they could show up here one of these days. You don't know. I mean, just But be aware. That's the thing. Be aware. And how you be aware? Know what truth is. And then we see in verse 7 of, we're back to Revelation 13. So I guess I should get back there too. <laughs> uh, Revelation 13, 7, where <clears throat> he's going to persecute the saints, and that goes both Jew and Gentile. Verse 8, the non-believers, and it makes it clear the non-believers are going to worship the beast. Verses 9 and 10. And um, if we can take just two or three minutes, this is such a... I really got a blessing from, from this passage today, yesterday and the day before. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is destined for captivity, to captivity he goes. If anyone kills with the sword, with the sword he must be killed. Here is the perseverance and the faith of the saints. Okay, what does that mean? Now, if anyone has an ear, let him hear. That is a common, uh, Jesus used that in some of his parables. Giving a parable, there's a meaning behind that parable. If anyone that has an ear to hear, hear it, get the message. Okay, that's what, get the message. It's, it's kind of like where Jesus would say, verily, verily. It's one of those kind of things where, listen up, if anyone has an ear, let him hear. Don't miss this. Okay, what is in verse 10? The message of verse 10 is a message, I believe, obviously, to the saints in the tribulation period, especially the great tribulation portion of that, which, but which applies, I believe, to all who suffer persecution for the gospel of Christ in all ages, you know. 
And what that message is, trust in the providence of God. Trust in the providence of God. Why do I say that? Because, look at what it says, if anyone is destined for captivity, to captivity they go. Okay, that's the providence of God. If anyone kills with the sword, with the sword, he must be killed. It's going to happen. And here is, you know, and here is the perseverance and the faith of the saints. And I love that, because what did Jesus say about that? Jesus says, but the one who perseveres to the end, he will be saved. Matthew 24, 13. That is a characteristic of believers. That's not a function one must do to gain salvation. That's what believers look like. They will hang in there. They will persevere. He doesn't say it's going to be easy, but they will persevere. I mean, just go back and read the gospel records. You know, the, the apostles had a heck of a time, man. They were stumbling all over themselves, but look what they did. They persevered. They made it. They did it. I, I marvel at some of the stories of the reformers praising God as they were set on fire. I mean, can't fathom it. First Peter chapter 4. We don't have time to read it all, because we're, but I'll read verse 19. Of, but read 1 Peter um, 4, 12 through 19, where Peter, Peter's got a handle on this, okay? At the end of that whole discussion in 1 Peter uh, 4, 12 to 19 says this, Therefore, let those also who suffer according to the will of God. See, you could be suffering for your faith according to the will of God, entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. That is the message for us should persecution come our way. Absolutely. Pray that they, yeah, let's, let's close in word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we, we come to this this morning, Lord, with thanksgiving, truly, in our hearts that uh, you have called us out of this mess. And as we look forward to our time here on earth, Lord, may we, if persecution comes our way, may we have the faith to do what it takes. May we truly rely and trust in your providence. May we function as the saints that persevere to the end. And Lord, we we pray for those saints around the globe that are indeed suffering persecution as we sit here today in comfort. Again, Lord, strengthen them. Bowl them up. Draw them to yourself and pour grace upon them. In Jesus' name, amen.